All right. So we're going to, so the title of this message is The Kingdom. And we're just going to read out of Matthew chapter 4. We're going to read verse 17. And before we go into that, we're going to pray. Father, we just come before you and we thank you for how awesome and amazing you are. God, we thank you for your word, God, that it's, God, your word is a two-edged sword. God, it, it separates. God, the spirit and the soul, God, joints and marrow, the thoughts and intentions of our heart. God, and it's a discerner of these things. And Lord, would your word, God, penetrate our hearts, God, that we would be changed, becoming conformed into your image, God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Before we get started, I do want to show off this amazing t-shirt that was bought for me for Christmas. It says, Pastor, a hardcore, I can't read it, hardcore devil stomping, ninja empowered by the Holy Spirit. Oh, noun. And a noun. So, had to, had to wear that today. Yes, that's what we do. We kick devils in ninja style. All right. Matthew chapter 4. Come on. That's right. We're going to crane kick him in the face today. Matthew chapter 4. If you don't get that reference, that was Karate Kid. Yeah, 1984. Okay. Matthew chapter 4 verse 17 says this. It says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent. So there's kind of like three parts of this that we're going to speak of. We're actually going to break down the word repent. We're going to break down kingdom of God. And we're going to break down what come near is. So we'll kind of break down those three parts. We'll break down repent, the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, whatever translation, and come near and what that looks like. So number one, repent. Say repent. repent. Look at your neighbor, say repent. No, don't do that. See, that's what we're known for. Like if you, <laughs> I mean, I mean, if, if, if they're going to coin a Christian on a movie, it's going to be this wackadoodle and he's looking at somebody all bug-eyed like repent. Like, like they make us look so stupid in Hollywood sometimes. Okay. So, you know, repent may have a bad connotation to it, but what does it actually mean? Repent is basically the word repentance actually means what we do is we make a conscious decision to turn away from and to change. That's what the word repent means. It means we used to, we used to when we uh, taught back in kids' church, back when faith was in kids' church, we used to teach our kids that what repentance is, is change of heart, change of mind, and change of direction. direction. Come on, there's our pastor right there, our, our children's pastor. Change of heart, change of mind, change of direction. That means, you know, the way we feel about things, the way we think about things, and the way we act. So repentance is just, it's a, it's a, a, Christ, a Christian word, which means that we actually just make a conscious decision to turn away from. That we would change from that. So friends, if we make a decision to live for Jesus, the very first step in that is usually what? Repentance. Right? You confess to the Lord. Have you ever, anybody here ever say the sinner's prayer? Have you ever, anybody ever lead you into the sinner's prayer? That's kind of like what we like to do. Like, if you want to commit your life to Christ, say, and it usually involves a portion of the prayer that has us, each of us, saying, God, I've sinned. God, I've made mistakes. God, I've made errors. God, I've screwed up royally. And Lord, I need you. Just like we were singing this morning. All I need is you, Lord. Right? 
making a decision to change away from. Changing our heart, changing our mind, changing our direction. And the amazing thing about repentance is, is repentance is us confessing and us having that change uh, or making that decision to have a change of heart. But we don't actually change our own hearts. God is the one that actually changes our heart. So it's not this work that you do within yourself. It's you actually yielding yourself to the Lord and he does the work inside of you. Isn't that amazing? I mean, when I, when I think about this, back when I committed my life to Christ, I think about all the things that I used to yearn or I used to want and I used to desire and I used to chase after. But what actually happened is the more that I began to pray, the more that I began to, to, to uh, go to church and, and go after the Lord, the, God actually began to transition what I desired. So I no longer desired wanting to get high. Man, I wanted to be in the presence of the Lord, right? I didn't desire all of these relationships that, that were uh, breaking my heart all the time. I wanted that relationship with my father who will never break our heart. And so he actually began to change, you know, a, a, a thief and a liar, right? He began to change my heart so that I didn't want to lie. I didn't want to steal, right? Are you getting this? You guys with me? We awake today. So if we make a decision to follow Christ, we start in that place of repentance. And the cool thing about this is repentance isn't a one-time decision. Repentance is like an everyday decision. Because uh, John the Baptist said this. He told the disciples, uh, well, they weren't the disciples, actually were the Pharisees. When the Pharisees came, he said to them, he said, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. It's not in our notes, but that's a little added there for you today. Because there's this part in our life where we're actually living for the Lord and we have to continue have that uh, availability in us to see that, man, we still make mistakes, right? And we still fall short. <laughs> and we're going to continue to fail. I'm not prophesying for you to fail, but I just know you're a human and you're fallible like I am. We're not perfect. And at some point you're going to fall again. You might have a high expectation of yourself and you're going to fall. The beautiful thing about repentance, and this is why I love the scriptures, and that's why I love the gospels. God, the scripture says, a righteous man falls seven times. It doesn't say the righteous man never falls. It doesn't say the righteous man has a perfect walk. It says the righteous. What is a righteous? A righteous, that's a big word, which means right standing with God. You can have a person, and you will have a man and a woman, whoever you are, in right standing with God, and you're going to fall short. And you're going to make mistakes and you're going to fail. Now, what happens is when we fall, when we fail, when we screw up, we like to beat ourselves up. Don't we? I'll tell you what. Who in here needs someone else to tell you how you screwed up when you can do a good enough job yourself? <laughs> right? I mean, a lot of us are, man, we're our own worst enemy when it comes to that. Because you make a mistake, you fall, you stumble, you sin. And then, man, you're just like, oh my gosh. And then you, you get into a pity party. The devil's there with the balloons and whistles like, look at you. You thought you were all high and mighty. Ha ha. You suck. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, I mean, that's, that's what he does, right? He's like, you're trash. <laughs> you're terrible. Give up. You can't do this. See this. You, you continue to fail. And he's there, right there to condemn and to, and to beat us up. But the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. 
So friends, when you make a mistake, when you fall, when you sin with your mouth, when you sin with your actions, when you sin in your heart, repent, tell God, I'm sorry. I know I was an idiot. I know I shouldn't have said that. I know I shouldn't have done that. I know I shouldn't have acted that way. I know I shouldn't have had an attitude like that. I know I shouldn't have looked at that. I know I shouldn't have done that. And then you say, God, here I am again. And you get back up. And you wipe the dust off and don't. And, 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 and then the, there's this lie like you got to go and you got to like do all of this stuff to get back right with God. Just take another step forward again. Take another step forward again. Brush the dust off, you know. Don't let the devil beat you up. If you find that you're falling, now here, I'm gonna, we're going to go here because I just want to go here. If you find yourself continually falling in the same sin, we would call that habitual sin. And if you have that in your life, then you may need to do more than just confess that to the Lord. That may be a time where you now find an accountability partner. Right? Think of this. You have Paul who went on his missionary journeys. He had this man called Barnabas. Barnabas means son of encouragement. I don't believe that Barnabas' ministry, or excuse me, I don't believe Paul's ministry would have went as far as it did without having someone that was alongside of him, encouraging him. Because I guarantee you, he was preaching the gospel. People weren't listening. They're throwing stones at him. And he probably was discouraged thinking, am I even doing the right job? Am I doing it the right way? I guarantee you why. Because he was a man. And we all think like that. Is this even making a difference? Am I even doing? And Barnabas is like, okay, you got this. We're going to do this. We're going to the next city. You need somebody in your life that will help you, man, stay focused. So if you find yourselves in a place of habitual sin or a place where, man, the en- you play, there's an area in your life where maybe the enemy just, he knows that is your weakness. You know, maybe it's depression. You know, maybe during this season when everybody's supposed to be, you know, joy and, you know, holiday cheer. Every year you're just... Miserable. Maybe that's something you should confess to somebody. You guys with me? See, I don't like I don't like the you know this whole belief that like church has it all together because we don't. We don't. Okay, the pastor doesn't have it all together, right? No, we don't. We're we are all falling short. We all make mistakes, and we all need people in our life. But the first step in doing that is repentance. And admitting our evil ways. I'll tell you what. How do we know what's evil? Well, it's, it's really difficult nowadays. Because the world will tell you what evil is actually good. And will tell you what actually is good is actually evil. So if, you, if we don't have the word of the Lord telling us what the difference between what good and evil is. Then how will we truly know? That's why the scripture is the rule of faith and conduct for our lives. It's what we based, it's what we based our, our life on. So just, this is just a list of things. So like, for example, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Buckle up. Put your seatbelt on. Click, click. Put it across. Because Paul, <laughs> click it or ticket. Is that what you said? <laughs> okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. And, the, and we're going to be reading in the New Living Translation. Uh, Paul is he's encouraging the Corinthians. He's letting them know these are a list of things that that are not of God. And he gives a list of things. He says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Because there's this belief that, well, I believe in God. I, I made a, I, I said the Lord's prayer. I made a confession of faith. But then we're living a life that, that doesn't reflect what the word of the Lord says. 
So he says, don't fool yourself. I can fool myself if I, if I am living a, a, a certain way and thinking that, well, it's okay, God's okay, me and the man upstairs are okay. But he says, don't fool yourself. There's people that are going to fool themselves. They think that they're right with the Lord. And he says, hey, let me just give you a list of some things of what I see happening in the church, and th- we can't do this. And this is what he says, those who indulge in sexual sin. And then it gets real quiet in the church. Two areas where it seems like, man, people have the most difficult time with sin is sexual sin and like greed and money. Right? Those indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery. Male prostitutes practice homosexuality. Verse 10, thieves. Right? Are you cheating on your taxes? Ooh. Greedy people. Oh, we don't talk about those. I'm glad at our church we don't have a bunch of, we don't have greedy people. We actually have a very generous church, by the way. Uh, I think we've sponsored over 560 kids for Christmas. Isn't that awesome? It's because we have a giving church and we have a giving community. So I just, I just had to throw that out there because I was thinking of that one about greedy. You know, so thank you for that. If you gave to that or if you were part of that, thank you. Or drunkards. Or abusive. Oh, 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 getting into people's closets now. Or cheat people. It says none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. So you can be a Christian. You could see, you could say, I am of Christ. And then you're a, sw- and you're a swindler. You're cheating people out. You're, I don't know, you're, you're taking advantage of people. And you think it's okay. It's not okay. Right? I mean, here's a, just, just a list. It's quiet, ain't it, in here? Have you ever lied? Anybody here ever lied? Well, if you... <laughs> nope! <laughs> Never done that. <laughs> that's, that's why it's so funny. Have you ever, have you ever stole something? You ever taken something that's not yours? You ever cheated? I'm not talking about like cheating in a board game, you know, that doesn't really count, but... You think God's going to keep you out of heaven for cheating at Catan? <laughs> he cheated. I saw you cheated in Monopoly. You're not being with me forever. No, God, I didn't even tell me a game. <laughs> you, you know, think about, you know, like, Cheating people, you know, you're cheating them out of money, you're cheating them out of opportunity, all that type of stuff. You ever, if you ever stolen or lied, I mean, all these things. So he just gives, he has a list of things just to let us know this is a standard that he has. That we, if you, if we are calling ourselves a Christ follower, then we cannot continue in, in adultery, right? We can't continue in sexual sin, we can't continue in worshiping of idols and, and all that stuff. Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it says this. It says, don't you see how wonderful, how wonderfully, sorry, can't read today. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? I love this. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you away from your sin? 
How many people in here committed their life to Christ because somebody hit you with a lightning bolt and was like, you're going to hell. <laughs> Lie. <laughs> For the most part, what people do is they're usually in a broken situation, Right? And maybe they come to church, maybe somebody prays for them, and they actually experience the goodness of God. And they're like, wow. Maybe they experience the presence of God. Maybe they step into a church, they experience people loving on them and accept, accepting them and not being judgmental or critical. Or maybe the, the person at their job was loving on them and praying for them, and they just they felt a connection with God. It's God's goodness, His kindness. That leads us to say, God, huh, how good you are. I want to live a life that's pleasing to you. And, and so it causes repentance. Isn't that amazing? How wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is. He's so patient with us. God is so patient. He's so patient when he sees us and he sees us continually, continuing to fall over and over and over again. He doesn't say, I'm, I'm, I'm done with you. I'm wiping my hands with you. Josh Hester, you done did it one too many times. I'm through with you. I'm, I'm done. No, he's friends. He's wonderfully kind, wonderfully tolerant, wonderfully patient. How wonderfully kind he is. We serve such an amazing God. That's why the scripture talks about, I mean, it talks about his love. You know, how deep and how wide and how great it is. I'll tell you what, friends. Sometimes I think when we just get a glimpse again of how good our God is, it just reminds us how, uh, just like, like, I mean, it, it breaks my heart to think of how good my God is and that there's times I still spit in his face. Like, man, you guys sit with me. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So we need to turn. Look at your neighbor and say, turn or burn. No, don't do that. <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't do that. Just kidding. Turn or burn. That's old school stuff right there. That's that old holiness stuff. Turn or burn. No. No. <laughs> burn, baby. Dude, we used to sing this song. Do you remember it? Do you, should I say it? <laughs> Bonus track. So here. <laughs> No, Revelation 21.8. Have you guys ever heard that? Why did we used to sing that as? Because yeah. we were idiots. Because we were idiots. Revelation, Revelation 21.8. 21.8. Liars go to hell. Liars go to hell. Burn, burn, burn. Who sings that to kids? That's craziness. I put in that in my kids' baby list. So if you got a newborn baby, you want a new lullaby? There you go. No, just joking. Things, to teach my kids. <laughs> Things I shall teach my kids before they die. Okay. Again, I just want to read, uh, I said this earlier, Matthew chapter 3. I know, man, right? Rough. It's rough out here. <laughs> it's rough out here. What were we teaching, kids? It is. It's brutal out here. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 8. I... Uh, I shared this earlier, and I just want to reiterate this. John the Baptist said this. He says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And then he goes on to say this. He says, prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Prove by the way you live that you've repented. 
Prove it. Have you ever had somebody say that? I'm better than you basketball. Well, prove it. Right? I can beat you in Catan. Prove it. Right? Whatever it is. Right? Right? I can beat you in Mario Kart. Prove it. Whatever it is. Right? Prove it. Prove it. Well, God says, or, you know, he's saying through Paul or through, or through Matthew. Well, prove it. You say you love me? Prove it. Show me. Show me the money, but baby. Show me the money, honey. Prove it by the way you live. That you've repented of your sins and turned to God. So number one, friends, is repentance. We've hit that in the, you know, all the way in the coffin. We closed it. We sealed it. Number two, the kingdom of heaven. Look at your neighbor say, kingdom of heaven. Jesus preached about the kingdom of heaven. Preached about it a lot. He said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. I can talk correctly. He says, but if I am casting out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. The kingdom of God has arrived among you. He's saying when God is at work around us, the kingdom of God is among us. When he's at work. So, so when we're having a church service, right? And let's just say, let's say somebody fully commits their life to the Lord. The kingdom of God is here. Let's say somebody, we, we, we do an altar call and we're praying for people. And people are you know, asking maybe for a healing in their body. And, and I've seen this happen in 20 years of ministry over and over and over again. God, heal somebody. Maybe, maybe heal their back, heal their knee. Just like a physical healing. The kingdom of heaven is among us. That's cool, isn't it? I love what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. And I'm going to tell you, friends, I pray this over myself and over my family every day. It's your kingdom come, your will be done. I pray that over myself every day. Lord, not my will, right? Because, man, that, that, is the, that, is, that is the cosmic fight of, of our lives. That is the spiritual warfare that we're in. Is it your will or his will? And so, so I, I, like, I have to. I don't, I don't like to, but I have to. I have to start the day saying, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not my will, your will. What happens when my will takes place? A lot of bad stuff. <laughs> and so we should be in a place, I believe, that was uh, modeled that Jesus even told his disciples in the, in the Our Father or the or. Or the, the, you know, the prayer, the Our Father prayer. That we would be in a place that we're yielding ourselves to Him. And that we're asking God's kingdom to come on this earth. And His will to be done. And His will to be done in each and every one of our lives. You can say amen right there. God, your kingdom come, right? It doesn't matter what they're telling us on the news. It doesn't even really, to be honest, matter what's happening in Washington. If the people of God are saying, God, your will be done, and we're believing it, and we're praying it, what do you think is going to happen? God's will, right? Why would he even tell us to pray that unless it was possible? Would Jesus even give us a, 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 a prayer that would not even work? Absolutely not. But what we're doing is we're like, God, let your will be done on earth as it is, is in heaven. And that's my prayer. I'm like, Lord, your will be done in my life. Lord, your will be done in my children. Your will be done in my marriage. Your will be done in this church. Your will be done in our city. 
I mean, this is my prayer. Your will be done in Ohio. Your will be done in our nation. God, your will be done uh, in Washington. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Let God, God, would you influence? Holy Spirit, would you breathe? As much as the enemy is destroying, as much as the enemy is separating and dividing, God, your will be done. Come on, somebody. That's a good prayer. And so, friends, the kingdom of heaven, this is the kingdom of heaven that's come upon us. And so what does that mean? That means he actually gives us power to minister the gospel, pray and break strongholds, right? Pray, God, that he would do miraculous things. And it gives us the power to actually live for Jesus. The amazing thing about the Holy Spirit is, is it's not this... Uh, this far off entity that's way beyond our scope. No, when you commit your life to Christ, right? The Lord actually breathes on you. His Holy Spirit dwells in you. And he actually gives us the ability to live for the Lord. <laughs> that's amazing. So, he's, so it's not like you out here trying to swim on your own. And it's not like the Lord just gave you like this little life jacket. Say, here, go float around. No, man, he gives you a stinking boat. <laughs> Here you go. Here's some keys. I'm going to show you how to, how to run this thing, how to live this life the way that I designed for it to be. Instead of you drowning all the time. And I don't know why. We just like to jump ship just because we want to. Like, okay, God, I'm going to go try to do this on my own. And there he is throwing out the little life raft again and again. But friends, he actually gives us the power to live for the Lord. I could not live this life without the Holy Spirit. I couldn't. Friends, when you commit your life, you, you're... Uh, you become a part of his family and you're adopted. You become a son or daughter of the Most High God, which means everything that is his becomes ours. That's crazy to think. And I've talked about this over and over again. Right? I mean, we, I mean, Cece uh, and, and, and her, and her uh, brother just stayed the night. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, those guys, you know, <laughs> the, the Santiago. <laughs> Don't feel bad. I forget my own kids' names. I mean. You know, and it's like, you can use the bathroom when you want. You, get, you, can, you can use the fridge when you want, right? Any, our TV is accessible. Video games are, I mean, so you, you come into my house and, we're, and you have the ability to use what is in there. Well, think about this. When we are adopted into the family of God, the things of God become available to us. Think of it, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the things of the Lord. Come on. There's joy, peace, patience. Oh, nobody likes that. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? I mean, wisdom, knowledge, prophecy, come on. They become available. Why? So that we can live a life, man, that, that's, that's full. Look at your neighbor say, Jesus died for you to have a full life. A full life. That's what it is. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven coming upon us is us living a full life that represents Christ and that's fulfilling, right? If you're bored as a Christian, then I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Let's help that out. We can remove that boredom. We got lots for you to do. <laughs> we can keep you busy for the rest of your life. Because even Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest for the, for it's ready. But 
few are the workers. Send the workers, Lord. Send people that are willing to say yes to you. Not only do you, are you adopted into his family, and the, this is the, one of the most amazing things, and this is one of the most beautiful things in my life, is that now you can call him daddy. Think of this. Paul says that we call him Abba Father. The word Abba is equivalent to the American term daddy. And we live in a, a, a society that has fatherlessness on a rampage. Maybe, maybe you have an amazing dad. That's awesome. But maybe you didn't. Maybe you had an abusive father. Maybe you had an absentee father. Maybe you, didn't, maybe you don't even know who your dad is. He becomes your father. I'm telling you, man, that's, a, that's like one of the best things that ever happened. I'm like, oh, wow, now I get a father. Who is he going to leave? Come on, someone. Man, that's so good. Adopted into his family. He's the best father. He's a provider. He's a protector. He's a lover. Everything that maybe you felt like you should have had but didn't. You guys still good? And then he empowers us to be ambassador of his kingdom. He said, you know what? I'm going to take you and all of your failures and, and shortcomings, and I want you to represent me. But God, I'm not. I don't care. But Lord, you picked the wrong. Yeah, I might have, but you're still going to do it. <laughs> the wrong one. I don't, I'm not qualified. I don't have the ability. It sounds like people in the Bible, doesn't it? Yeah. Sounds like people just like us in the Bible. I'm an I'm a unclean, you know, I have unclean lips. Or, or, or God, uh, you know, we have the smallest tribe in Israel. Or all these things. And he's like, but still. Let me show you. How's you an ambassador to represent him? Represent heaven. And then Jesus, he taught with authority. And not only did he teach with authority that amazed people, he fills us supernaturally with his Holy Spirit where now you have authority. And if friends, let me just say this. You as a son or daughter of God, if you do not know your authority, it's time that you start knowing it. Seriously, I'm playing games. Like if somebody speaks something negative over you, you don't have to receive that. Take authority. I don't receive that in the name of Jesus. Because words have power, they have weight. Right? By our words were, uh, is life or death. Take authority. Seriously. I, there's been times, I'm going to tell, can I, be, can I be honest? There's been times I've felt depression over me, and I'm just like, where'd this come from? In the name of Jesus, I rebuke depression, and I've felt it lift off me. Why is that? How was that? Because I know the authority in Christ. It's not because, I, because I've arrived or nothing. It's because the name of Jesus has so much power and authority. I've yielded myself to him. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords, right? He transcends all understanding, right? He is the name that is above every name that every knee will bow, every tongue confess that even depression has to bow to the name of Jesus. And so when I'm like, I'm not saying it in my own authority because that wouldn't mean anything. The, the sons of Sceva try to cast out demons. They said, by the Paul, by the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, and they got their butts whooped. 
But when you know who you are in Christ, meaning he's given you access to the authority, you can take authority over that stuff. I mean, friends, think of this. I'll tell you what. You can take authority. Listen to this. Ready? You can take authority over strife in your house. You can. Say in the name of Jesus, I rebuke strife and I speak peace over my home. Do you know you have that authority? How do I know this? Because Jesus said to his disciples when they walked in the house, he said, if their house is worthy of it, let your peace rest. So speak peace. <laughs> Sorry, I just had this idea of like two people arguing and then the one like trying to speak peace over them. And that's probably not going to work like that, just to let you know. So I was like in the heat of an argument, you know, it's probably not the best time to be like, I took authority over you and I speak. Don't please. That's not going to. Okay. Right, that's, <laughs> you're shooting in the wrong direction, right? <laughs> yeah, right, it's, right, because it's a, it's a heavenly battle, okay, right? <laughs> right, it's taking authority in the heavens. It's taking authority over the influencing factors that are causing the strife, right? Seriously, I mean, if your child is having night terrors, take authority over that. Come on, somebody. Are you getting this? It's time that the people of God know who they are in Christ. You know who you are in Christ. I mean, shoot, back in the day, I mean, we went a little crazy with it, but man, we were taking authority over all kinds of things. And God was listening and he was hearing and he was honoring that. I mean, you can get kind of wackadoodled with it and, and try to find demons under every, under every rock. <laughs> I'm laughing because, you know, it happens. But it's, it's not about that, and you don't have to be all wacky about it, but you can know who you are and take authority and walk in, in the authority that Christ has for you, right? And speak. When you, think of this. I mean, when you speak, when you, you can speak over situations. You can speak over people, life or death. Right? If you know somebody that's dealing with depression, take authority over that. Say, in the name of Jesus, I just bind depression. I, de I bind the influence of depression. Lord, I speak peace. And strength and grace and power in that situation in Jesus' name. And you're not doing it by your own authority. It's because of the name of Jesus that you're speaking it and declaring it. You getting this? Okay. And then friends, preach. Preach the good news. Live it. Jesus didn't just die for us to go to heaven. He died to break the power of sin and darkness and destroy the works of the devil. It's in the scripture. It says the reason Jesus came was to destroy the works of the devil. That means like the devil sets up shop, sets up works, and Jesus came to destroy it and break it. If there's any area, and I said this earlier, if there's any area where maybe sin is ruling in your life, God has the power to take authority over that thing. And then finally, number three, come near. So we, we broke down repentance, right? The kingdom of heaven, and then come near. Right? The kingdom of heaven is near, and we're going to say, come near. Do you feel that the Lord has drawn nigh or near to you? If he hasn't, James chapter 4 gives us the equation for this. In James chapter 4, it says, Come near to God and he will come near to you. Or draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It isn't God who moves. It's us. We move. 
You know, maybe we're in a sinful situation. We take a step back, right? Maybe we're, I don't know, we're just being stubborn. and We take a step back. Maybe we're letting pride get the best of us. We take a step back. We draw away. I'm going to do this my own self. I'm going to figure this out on our own. As a man, I mean, that's probably one of the areas uh, and that I think we deal with a lot is I can do this by myself. I don't need any help. Men, yes, you do. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> we need help. Pride will drive us further because we're like, I can handle this. I got this. Now, friends, draw near to the Lord. Let him be your strength. Come near and he will come near to you. Have you allowed the power of the gospel, the truth of the word of God, to destroy every lie and deception that the enemy has placed in your life? Because he set up, because he has. Every one of us, at some point of our life, the enemy has set up shop with lies and deception. The way we think, the way we perceive things. So have you allowed the word of the Lord to pierce those lies? Some of those lies are how you think about yourself. Some of those lies are your self-worth. Some of those lies are how you feel you know, about others that are in your life. Some of those lies are the way that you perceive life. It's, it's, maybe it's not even correct. Friends, the way I perceived life before Christ was way off. Right? I mean, think, I mean, when you're living for yourself, your perception is way off. When you're living your life for yourself, your perception is off. But the thing is, is friends, the power of the gospel, the truth of the word of God will destroy those lies and deception and show you that it's not about you. <laughs> Life is not about Josh Hester. It's about Jesus. Friends, are you, are you drawing near? Are you reading the word of the Lord? I know this is simple stuff. But friends, if you're not reading the word of the Lord, it's almost like you have a gun with no ammo in it. Because he's given you the weapons to fight the enemy. But it's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is the only offensive weapon against the enemy. Mm -hmm. Everything else is defensive. And sometimes the only way you can defend is you got to attack. With his word. Come on, friends. I've been there. I mean, there's times where, man, I'm just getting whooped. And what I do, I just start speaking the word of the Lord in that situation. And the word of the Lord, because it's living and active and because of the authority of it, changes the situation. Read the word. Dispose of the lies. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill and empower your life to be a bold witness. The Lord desires to draw near to you. Do you know that God actually likes you? Yeah. Your spouse might not. <laughs> Most of the time. I mean, he created, he created the heavens and the earth, and he created us that we would have fellowship with him. He created you in his image. He created heaven for us to be with him forever. Because he actually does want to be with you. 
one of the lies was, oh, God doesn't want to be with you. Nobody wants to be with you. You're worthless. You're trash. Lie, 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 lie. How would... <laughs> oh, that was a Spider-Man quote. You're trash, Brock. Oh, that's, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, Bully Maguire. That was well played, whoever said Who said that? That was well played. Is that Santi? Dude, that was well played. Well played. You're trash, Brock. That's how the enemy does, though, man. But the Lord actually does want to draw near. He's waiting for us to take the step. We serve such an amazing God. I mean, think of this. This morning, you said, I know you might have had a crazy weekend. You know, I mean, just money spent and food and presents and family. And sometimes you can have too much family, you know, and, and all that. You know, sometimes, right? And then, yet, here you are on Sunday morning saying, God, I'm drawing near to you. You made the first step today. So when you came in and you worshiped the Lord and you're, and you're singing, you wonder why the presence of the Lord is here? Because you took a step forward. You got out of your bed, put on some clothes, hopefully you put on some deodorant, brush your teeth, right? Stopped and got coffee, got the coffee breath, Right? Might have fought with your children to get out of bed, got them in the car, made the 20-minute drive, 30-minute drive, 40-minute drive, big eight-minute drive, okay, <laughs> to say, God, I'm drawing near to you, right? And even if you're tuning in online, same thing, you're saying, God, I'm drawing near to you. You could be watching cartoons, sports, but you're saying, I'm drawing near to you. And so God, or TikTok or Facebook or any of that stuff, you're drawing near to him. And so that's why the scripture says in Psalm, we're ending on, this is why the, the scripture says in Psalm 34, verse 8, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blesses is the one who takes refuge in him. Because the Lord actually wants you to know he's good. It's almost like, it's almost like a buffet. Have you ever been to a buffet? Man. Hometown buffet up the road, that was amazing. I was sad when that closed down. Man. Cool thing about like, like a setting like that is you have all this amazing food. You actually can try it out. And if you don't like it, you can try something else. God says this. He says, taste and see. Try it. Because the thing is, he already knows. Once you, once you experience him, you're not going to want anything else. You do. You want more. I mean, I mean, how many of us had, a, had an amazing meal yesterday? You had an amazing meal? Okay. Okay, I'm, okay, we're about to call you out. We're about to call you. <laughs> Mama's up front talking about some pastor kids. Y'all better raise your hands. <laughs> how many of us had a second plate? One hand, two hands, three hands, four. You had four plates. Come on. Why? Just like Pastor Joy said earlier. Because once you've tasted and, you, and it was good, you wanted more. That's how God is. When you, when you taste the goodness of God, you'll realize, man, he is who I want to live for. Would you bow your heads with me today? Maybe you're in here today and maybe you haven't experienced the goodness of God. Or maybe you have, but you haven't experienced the goodness of God in a, in a, it's been a while
It's interesting because just like in the physical, how there can be droughts where you can have long spanses without rain, we can spiritually have those where you can have long spouts where it's like you, you feel like, God, where are you? <laughs> Is anything changing? And I don't know if that's you today. I don't know if you've been in a spiritual drought. Maybe you're in a place where, man, every time you, you start praying, Lord's there and he's like right there with you. That's amazing. Thank you for that. Thank you for being in that season, right, Lord? <laughs> but maybe you're in a place where it's not like that. Maybe it's every time you pray, it's like it feels like you're hitting a wall. And you're just like, Lord, I just... Maybe you've contemplating giving up on your faith this year. Maybe 2021, maybe comp contemplated giving up on your marriage. Maybe the enemy lied to you and had you contemplating giving up on your life. These are all real things. I want to just pray that you would taste and see today. That he would draw near to you today. Father, we thank you. God is your people today. As soft as that pillow was and how cozy that bed was, woke up out of bed and prepared, we prepared ourselves to be into this building which we've turned into your house, God. And together, we've said, God, we worship you, we love you, you're so good. God, we, we, we've sung together. God, we've heard the word of the Lord together and now we draw near together, Lord. And God, would you honor each and every action in this room and God would you honor the person that's tuning in today and would you draw near would you speak God would you give breakthrough God would you God speak encouragement Lord would you uplift God would you encourage would you strengthen God I pray that you would strengthen each and every person in here with grace in the name of Jesus God, strengthen resolve in hearts to continue to say yes to you. God, if maybe yesterday, maybe we failed horribly. God, let there just be a renewal today as we're in here. The sin and the guilt and the shame, let it be washed away. Let today be new again today. Like a righteous man falling seven times and then getting back up. We're getting back up today. We're choosing you. And Lord, we do not know what 2022 holds, but God, we know that we're going to hold on to you in 2022, Lord. And we trust and we put our hope in you. And so, Father, I just thank you. I thank you, God, that you would meet hearts today. Even now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you fill hearts and minds with truth. Friends, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. And may he give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said together, amen.